the oneness of the Lord. Let's go to Genesis, Awake, please. Awake, O sword, Genesis against my shepherd, 19, against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. 24. Smite the shepherd, and sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand 24. upon the little ones. And so, some people say, well, look, the Lord is saying. It's good to see everybody fellow. here tonight. <clears throat> so when he says my fellow, that has to be the second person that he's talking about. You know, Jesus said this. He said, the whole have no need of, of a physician. Here says your associate. Okay, here. Here's the point. And I know at times we're, we're all in battles. So if you're in battle, there's going to be time you're you going to be wounded. You're going to be fighting. It is the Lord. So it is the Messiah. And that's the Lord. It is the divine humanity. It is the trick of the enemy to trick your mind. Into thinking fellow, that you should be in the house of the Lord. Between the humanity of Jesus conflict and the in your Spirit life, of God that was in him. There was a fellowship problems, there. But it wasn't problems, two persons. Whatever. It was two natures. It is his humanity trick and spirit to take you out of the deity church. Deity and humanity. Son, to make you feel Father, like that if you've got any of these problems that you're persons. not worthy to be in the house of the Lord. But you need to remember... That the whole don't need a physician. Not a fellow God. First but Jesus five, came and he is the great physician. The man. So when you are God sick, you need man. a spiritual hospital. The man. And when you got Christ problems, Jesus. this is the place you need to be. The man. Christ Jesus. This is the place you want to be. Not just Jesus. Don't ever, Christ don't ever Jesus. get in your mind that I feel like he I can't go back to the house of the Lord the because I've got problems. Manifestation. That's where you need to be. You need to be in a spiritual God. hospital. If you've got trouble, it doesn't matter what that trouble the is. Man, you need Christ a Jesus. physician. And this is a spiritual hospital. We all need help. Praise God. Give God a hand pra clap of sorry. praise tonight. I'm done. I appreciate you. Genesis 19 and verse 24. If you have that, say praise the Lord. The word of the Lord says, then the Lord, notice it's all capitalized, the Lord, that would be translated from that great, great name of God, the yod Hey vav Hey name of God, sometimes translated Yahweh, but every time you see it capitalized, that would be the, the transliteration of the Hebrew word, then the Lord, that great name of God, Lord, reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. You see that? Let me read it again. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. So we have in this passage, we have the name of the Lord mentioned twice. Are you here tonight? Some teachers will teach based on plural terms like this or plural references to the Lord that that automatically teaches that there's two gods or not two gods but two persons in the Godhead now hang with me today go to Isaiah chapter 6 we'll look at another plural term here in Isaiah chapter 6 you will remember that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up his train filled the temple. And in Isaiah 6 and verse 8, Isaiah is allowed by God to eavesdrop on a heavenly conversation. Here's what Isaiah said he heard. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? 
So who is he talking to there? He says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Alright, if you believe in separate persons in the Godhead, then you will take passage like I've just read to you and try to interpret into them and read into them a multiplicity of persons. Okay? But we're going to show you what the Word of the Lord says tonight about these, these verses of Scripture, alright? Plural terms concerning the one God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for your awesome Word, your awesome name, you're an awesome God today. We praise you. We thank you for your strength and your help tonight to declare this Word in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, in beginning tonight, I'm going to read to you, this of course is, is a book that I've showed you before, this is called The Trinity Evidence and Issues by Dr. Robert Moray. He is a wonderful theologian on some subjects, but when it comes to the doctrine of the Godhead, he is not. I'm going to read to you, and this, this, I don't know that all Trinitarians look at it this way, but I would assume that they do because he pretty much speaks for what they believe in this book. But listen to what he says here. He gives us the verse, Then Yahweh rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from Yahweh out of heaven. Okay? This passage is remarkable regardless of how you deal with it. It simply states that there are two divine persons. That's what Dr. Moray says. He says it simply states that there are two divine persons. I'm sorry it doesn't simply state that. Nowhere in that verse do I ever read of anything that says that there are two divine persons. It does not state that. That is an erroneous statement. That is full of error. But he goes on to say that in that passage, regardless of how you deal with it, it simply states that there are two divine persons. Here's what he says. One on the earth and one in the heavens. Doesn't say that either. It doesn't say that either. Each person, he goes on to say, is called Yahweh. It doesn't say that either. The first Yahweh who is on earth brings down brimstone and fire from the second Yahweh who is in the heavens. Doesn't say that either. It doesn't say that. The verse does not say that. He is eisegeting into that verse what he thinks it says. It did not say any of these things. Watch this. It is easy to see why this passage has irritated anti-Trinitarians. Doesn't irritate me. So he missed it again. Number four, he missed it again. He's a Trinitarian. Doesn't irritate me. What he's saying irritates me. What are we to make of it, he asks. He goes on and he, he cites a council, the council of Sermium decreed the Son of God brought down the rain from God the Father. 
This was the clear interpretation of the early church. It doesn't matter what the early church thought. <laughs> Not the early, the early church. The early church fathers. And they're full of error when it comes to the doctrine of the oneness of God versus the Trinity. Very biased. Okay, you with me here? Let me read that again. What do we make of the council of Sirmium decreed the Son of God brought down the rain from God the Father? This was the clear interpretation of the early church. The great German reformer Martin Luther commented. We may note also the fact that Moses here says that the Lord, and he puts in parentheses Jehovah, rained fire and brimstone from the Lord Jehovah. This mode of speaking greatly irks the Jews and they try in vain to explain it. But Moses mentions Jehovah twice to show that there is but one God but that in this one God, there are three distinct persons. Really? If you believe in three distinct persons, and you're teaching that there are two Yahwehs here, or two persons of Yahweh here, then how can you take two, per if you believe that that passage taught two persons of Yahweh, how could you take that passage and then say that it's teaching three persons? So anyway, 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 anyway. You get a book like this, you get a theologian who's written this book, and if you read it and you think, just because he's a theologian, what he's saying is accurate, it's true, it'll mess you up. Everything that he said about that passage is wrong. And everything he said about anti-Trinitarians is also wrong. Doesn't irritate me to have a verse like that in the Word of God. It excites me. So anyway, so how are we going to interpret that passage then if we don't believe that it's speaking of two separate persons? Well, I will tell you this. Let's look at the verse again in, I, in, in uh, Genesis and let's look at this verse carefully and see what it does say. You will remember the story if you were to back up to Genesis 18 and verse 1. The Bible says the Lord, all capitalized, yod heh vav hey or Yahweh, appeared to Abraham. He appeared to Abraham. Now, God is a spirit. Yahweh is a spirit. So, if, an, if God is invisible, an invisible spirit, for him to appear to the physical eye means that he had to take on a physical appearance. So the Bible says the Lord appeared to Abraham in some kind of physical appearance. Some people call it a theophany. A theophany, a visible manifestation of God. Right? You, will know, you, you know the story how Abraham stood before the Lord interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah because God said he was going to destroy it because of the sin. So Abraham stands before the Lord in intercessory prayer for Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story, right? Amen? Look at verse 20 of chapter 18. And the Lord, all capitalized, said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now. Now look at this. The Lord, invisible manifestation, standing before Abraham, makes a statement, and he says, I will go down now. with me here I will go down now he's already standing there invisible form before Abraham watch 
Watch this. What this verse is showing you is that he is not limited to space or time. If he is standing there in visible manifestation before Abraham and he makes a statement, I will now go down. This is showing you that this is the one Lord of the Bible. His spirit is everywhere. He is not limited to even to that manifestation, that visible manifestation. He's standing before Abraham in a visible form, but he's not limited to that visible form. He's still everywhere. He's in the heavens. So as God in visible form standing there down there on the earth, he makes a statement as an omnipresent God and he says, I'm going to go down. All right. This is a figure of speech. If God is everywhere, how can he go down? With me here? So he's there physically or in a visible form. Let me put it that way. A visible form before Abraham. But he says, I'm going down. All right, you got that up to this point, right? I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. Now, here's the point. Some people say, well, when he says, I'm going to go down, that means he's going to journey from where he is before Abraham, and he's going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. But the Bible never tells me that the Lord in visible form ever goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. Very important for you to see that. The Bible tells us those men that were with the Lord. And then he tells us what those men are. If you want to go over there and look, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. He tells us what those men are. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Right, So the two men that went with the Lord who Abraham saw, Abraham sees the Lord or God in visible form. The Lord says, I'm going to go down now. But the Lord stays there before Abraham in visible form. And it's only the two angels that go to Sodom and Gomorrah. Very important for you to see this, okay? Say praise the Lord. Now, when it comes time for Sodom and Gomorrah to be destroyed by the Lord. The Bible doesn't tell us that he ever moved from the presence of Abraham. All right. So he continues to stand before Abraham when those two angels go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And at what point and what time this visible manifestation of God disappears from the face of Abraham, I don't know. But Abraham is beseeching the Lord in intercessory prayer as those two angels go to Sodom and Gomorrah. The point is, the Lord, as far as the Bible is concerned, does not go with them in that visible form. He don't have to. He's everywhere. The Lord is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, so... The Bible tells us, if you look at verse, let's, look at, let's start at verse 23. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor. Then the Lord rained upon, then the Lord, notice, then the Lord, all capitalized. The one that was standing there in visible form before Abraham. The same one that said, I'm going to go down. 
This same God, this same Lord says that then the Lord reigned upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Or he, this is his action. He reigns upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Who does? The Lord. Lord. Yod-Heh-Bav-Heh. He reigned upon Sodom and Gomorrah, upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. It does not say that there's one Lord who walked over to Sodom and Gomorrah. And this one Lord upon the earth calls upon the one Lord that's in the heaven to rain down fire from heavens upon Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the way they interpret it. They interpret two separate Yahwehs, two separate persons of Yahweh. One on the earth, one in the heaven, one calling, down, one calling to the Lord in heaven to rain down fire upon the earth. So they say there's two persons of Yahweh in that passage. You understand? But the verse does not say that. It says that the Lord, the one Lord from his one place, from his one position, which is in the heavens, he pours out fire upon the earth. It doesn't say there's one Lord praying to another Lord, asking that one Lord in the heaven to pour down fire on the earth. Do you see the nonsense? This Trinitarian just got, I just read it to you, said there's two lords there. There's two Yahwehs there. And then, and at the same breath, say there's one God. Now, if you've got a Yahweh in heaven and you've got a Yahweh on earth, you've got dithyism. You've got two gods on your hands and there's no way around it. And how in the world a theologian I don't know he's got the Holy Ghost for one thing. But how a theologian can look at that passage and interpret it the way that they do is beyond me. Because for you to say that there is a separate person of Yahweh here on the earth and a separate person of Yahweh in the heavens. It's a necessity that there be two Yahwehs. You can't separate them and not have two of them. All right? Okay, hopefully we'll come back to this passage. (laughs) The Lord from heaven is raining down the fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah. You with me here? Look at it again. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Same Lord. Same Lord doing the action. Well, God is everywhere. He's not limited to time or space. He's everywhere. In the heavens, on the earth at the same time, but it's the one Lord that's pouring out the fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah. But they try to use that, try to prove multiplicity of persons. It's not in the Bible, my friend. Well, let's go over here and let's prove that there's only one Lord. Let's go over to Isaiah, that great prophet Isaiah. Y'all with me here tonight? I hope I'm not losing you. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 3. Let's, let's determine by the word of the Lord that there is only one Lord or one Yahweh. Not multiple persons of Yahweh either. Isaiah 43, 3. Now, 
as you're turning there, you need to know something about Isaiah. Okay, go over to Isaiah. Let me show you something. Keep your place in Isaiah 43, but go to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah 7. Verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. Say it with me. Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Read Matthew 1. 21 through 23, it interprets it for you. God with us, literally with us, God. Okay, with me? So the prophet Isaiah prophesies that a virgin is going to carry Emmanuel. And Emmanuel is God with us or with us, God. The whole work of Isaiah then is the coming manifestation of God Emmanuel that's what the whole prophet Isaiah is about is the coming of Emmanuel the manifestation of God in human form with me so that eagle-eyed prophet we talk about an eagle-eyed prophet like John he's an eagle-eyed man in the New Testament with the face of an eagle you know the gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have depicted, their Gospels are depicted by a living creature in the book of Revelation, right? So you should be familiar with this, that John is the eagle-eyed prophet in the New Testament. He can look, an eagle can look straight in the sun and not be blinded. John, out of all the Gospel writers, had a revelation of the deity of Jesus Christ. He declares to the church that Jesus is God. Matthew declares him to be king. Mark declares him to be servant. Luke declares him to be the perfect man. And John declares him to be more than a man. He declares him to be God come in the flesh. Matthew is the lion, the face of the lion. Mark is the face of the ox. Luke is the face of a man. And John is the face of an eagle. Revelation chapter 4 talks about those. Those living creatures with those faces around the throne. My point is this. Is that John declared to the church... The deity of Jesus in his gospel. He's an eagle-eyed apostle. In the Old Testament, Isaiah is the eagle-eyed prophet. He has a revelation of God, the oneness of God, like no other in the Old Testament. Isaiah is a miniature Bible. 66 chapters in Isaiah 66 books in the Bible. 39 chapters in Isaiah. 39, there's a division. 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. When you study the prophet Isaiah, this eagle-eyed prophet, there is the same division. There are 39 chapters that deal with prophecy. And 27 chapters that are messianic. Did you hear what I said? That's the way the Bible is laid out. The Old Testament is prophetic. It's prophetic about Emmanuel. It's prophetic about God who would come. 
It's prophetic about a virgin who would carry Emmanuel. It is prophetic. This is God coming in manifestation. So all of Isaiah is about God coming in manifestation. 39 chapters, prophetic. 27 chapters, beginning with chapter 40 to the end of Isaiah, is messianic. How that's going to happen is it's going to be by him coming as Messiah or the Christ. You with me up to this point? So Isaiah, his whole prophecy, his whole work deals with the manifestation of God. The soon coming one. When you talk about prophecy, he's already come as far as we're concerned. So having said that then, go to Isaiah 43 and verse 3. You are now in, when you get to Isaiah 43, you are in the Messianic section. When you talk about Jesus, when you talk about Jesus, you need to understand that Jesus is God. You need to understand that Jesus is Father. You need to understand that Jesus is Son. You need to understand that Jesus is Holy Ghost. Whatever activity you find Him in, I say Him, God. If you find God in the activity of Father, if you find Him in the activity of Son, if you find Him in the activity of Holy Ghost, whether it be Old Testament or New Testament, it's always Jesus. Don't you ever forget that. Because you've got to understand that Jesus had a dual nature. He was God and he was man. So in the Old Testament, when God does something, you can still say, that's Jesus. Because again, whether he be Father, Son, or Holy Ghost in activity, it's always Jesus. Jesus is God. Did you hear what I said? But Jesus the Messiah... Is different from Jesus alone. Jesus the Messiah. Isaiah 43 is the Messianic. It's a part of the Messianic prophecy of Isaiah. When you talk about Messiah or the Christos. You talk about the Christ of God. When you talk about Jesus the Christ. Or Jesus the Messiah. You're talking about when Jesus the invisible spirit. Come on. Jesus, the invisible spirit, became Jesus, God, invisible form. Did you hear what I said? Did you catch it? Jesus, the Christ, is God coming in a body. Jesus, the Christ, is when God comes in visible form. Jesus, the Christ. As Jesus, He's Father. As Jesus, He's Son. As Jesus, He's Holy Ghost. But as Jesus, the Christ, that is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. When you call Him Messiah, when you call Him Christ, you are declaring that He is Emmanuel in visible form. That is the difference between Jesus, the Christ, and Jesus. So when you look at these prophecies in Isaiah, Isaiah 43.3, they are messianic. 
39 chapters before that are prophetic. Doesn't mean the rest of them are not prophetic, but that's the way the division is. Okay, Isaiah 43, 3, you ready? Now I'm going to, with time I'm going to explain more and more of that to you. The Christos, the Messiah, what that means. Okay, can you, can you receive it? Isaiah 43, 3. That's established that there's only one Lord. So there can't be one Lord in heaven and one Lord on the earth in Genesis 19. That is an impossibility. Isaiah 43, 3, 4, he says, For I am the Lord, I am the Lord, all capitalized, thy God, the Holy One of Israel. Come on, get with me. I know you're in a Bible study mode. I need you to get with me here. Let me read it again. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel. It does not say the Holy Two. It does not say the Holy Three. It says the Holy One of Israel. He is the Holy One of Israel. For I am the Lord who thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. So God says that He is the Holy One. He is the Lord. And He is the Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopian Sheba for thee. Alright? So we have, de- have determined that He is a Holy One. Now go to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Watch this. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith God, saith your God. Speak ye comfortly to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hands, notice all capitals again, double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of who? Of the Lord, all capitalized. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That is a messianic prophecy. It is pointing to the Messiah. And it tells you that when he comes, he is the Lord, all capitals, and he is God. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, the 40th book in the Bible. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Let's go to the 40th book in the Bible. That's Matthew. Matthew chapter 3. With me here? Fortieth book in the Bible, the third chapter. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Did you catch that? Let's see the fulfillment of the prophecy. The prophecy says that the Lord is going to come, that God is going to come, and there's a prophecy about the one who would prepare the way of the Lord. Who is this Lord? Who is this God? Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken about the prophet Isaiah saying. Okay, the one that prophesied, Isaiah prophesied about. The one that Isaiah said was going to come. The Christos, the Messiah. 
the Christos or the Messiah is none other than yod heh vav or the Lord. He is none less than God. Watch. Matthew 3. I'm, I'm going to keep reading it. Watch. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Wow. Isaiah said it was going to be yod heh vav that comes. In Matthew, it has small, has a capital L and small letters. The point is this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's all capitals or not. Because yod heh vav is the Lord in any form. Whether he be Adonai. Adonai is the, the you, you say the word Adon. That means a ruler or a master. But Adonai is emphatic. And it always speaks of God. And that is the capital L, small O-R-D, O-R-D, Adonai. But the point is, when Isaiah the prophet prophesied about this coming Messiah, he said he is yod heh He said he is God. And in the New Testament, it tells us that he is the Lord. Say with me, the Lord. In the fulfillment of Isaiah passage, make his path straight. I'll read it again. For this is he that was spoken about the prophet Isaiah saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now, who's he talking about? Jesus. The Christ. Jesus Christ. Je- Jesus is his name. Christ is his office. Christ is not his name. Christ is an office that God took upon himself to manifest himself. Christ is the body that God. Man. Do you understand what I'm trying to show you here? Christ is, is the office of God. It's the way that the invisible God made himself visible. The Christ. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Father. Jesus is Son. Christ is the body. Is the anointed body, or let me put it this way, it is the divine humanity in which dwelt deity. So when you talk about Christ, you are talking about his anointed body. You are talking about divinity in humanity. Divinity, divine humanity having deity in it. I think maybe this is a little bit too heavy for you, but. Okay, let's go back to Isaiah 40. Watch this. Verse 3 again. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So the one that's going to prepare the way is preparing the way of the Lord. It's preparing the way for God. So when Jesus comes, he is the Lord. When Jesus comes, he is God. That's what that Jesus means. Yahweh, Savior. yod heh vav heh Savior. But when you say Christ, you're saying Messiah. How he made himself visible. Are you with me here? So it's pretty plain as to who we're talking about here, right? Let's go to John 4.24. There's only one 
you know what I'll do? Let's go to, let me go, go to a different verse of Scripture. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3.14. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 3.14. I'm going to teach. You put me in a teaching mode, I'll just teach. I'd like to preach, but you're gonna, you want me to be in a teaching mode? Then no problem. 2 Corinthians 3.14, watch this. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Who in who? In Christ. What did the veil do? It kept you from seeing what was behind it. Or let me put it this way. It kept you from seeing who was behind it. When Jesus came, though, he was the visible form of God. God come in visible form, the Christ. Say the Christ. It's done away in who? Christ. That's his office. It's not his name. It's his office. It's the office of God. You know, we say like Jesus Christ. We think that's his last name. Jesus is his first name. <laughs> that's not true. Jesus is his name. As God, as Father, as Son, as Holy Ghost, whatever activity he's in, he's still Jesus. But when you say Jesus Christ, you're talking about the office of God. Okay? The body that he came in, visible form, in. Okay? Keep reading. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord... The veil shall be taken away. Now, watch this. Now, the Lord is that Spirit. The Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So, the Lord is that Spirit. Let's go over and look at John 4. John 4, 24 we want to show you that the Lord is one and the Lord is spirit. Holy one of Israel. Jesus is the Lord who came. The prophet said, here's the one to look for. Matthew said, here he is. He is the Lord. You understand? Jesus is the sacred name of God. He is Yahweh. So every time you see in the New Testament, it, talks, it makes a reference to Jesus' lordship. It's speaking to you of his deity. Every time. Every time. All right? That he's God. Now, John 4, 24. Hallelujah. What did Jesus say to the woman of Samaria? The woman at the well. He said, God is a spirit. It says a spirit. God is a spirit singular. All right, so the scripture we've already read. The Lord is that spirit. 
God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So there is only one spirit of God, and that one spirit of God is the Lord. There's not two Yahwehs. There are not two spirits. There's not two divine persons. There's one Yahweh. His name is Jesus. And that one Yahweh is that spirit. And God is a spirit. Okay, you with me here? Let's look at some other scriptures here. Go to Joel 2. Joel 2, verse 27. Matter prophet Joel. <clears throat> now, let me just ask you this while you're turning there. If Yahweh is that spirit, if the Lord is that spirit, and God is a spirit, singular, okay, and Jesus is Yahweh, and Jesus is God, come in the flesh, if that is true, then when the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, was that another spirit? Well, they tried to make him a third person. If there's only one spirit, God is a spirit, then what was poured out on the day of Pentecost? The one spirit of who? Yahweh. The one spirit of God was poured out on Pentecost. They're not two spirits, they're not two persons. And it will prove it by the prophecy. Joel 2. Joel 2, verse 27. Is this helping anybody? All right, 2027. 20, Joel 2, 27. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord. I'll capitalize your God. The Lord, your God. And none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. Say, and none else. I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit. Yod hey vav hey. The Lord says, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. One spirit. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. When did that happen? In Acts chapter 2. Okay. I have to teach that to you. <laughs> Y'all know that, right? Acts 2. They were all together. One mind, one accord. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As a rushing mighty wind. Filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Well, the Bible says in Joel 2, the prophecy says that spirit is the spirit of God. It is not a second person in any, or third person of anything. It is the spirit of Yahweh. It is the spirit of God. It is the spirit of the one Lord of the Bible. So when I got the Holy Ghost, I got the spirit of God in me. I've got the spirit of Yahweh in me. 
I've got God inside of me. You've got God inside of you. Now that doesn't make you God, but it does make you divine. It does make you anointed. So is, there is the Christ. You're not the Christ. But you are the anointed body of Christ. Because God, deity, dwells inside of you. You are divine. Not God, but divine. Because now you are the Christos that manifest Him in this earth. Are you with me here? So one God, that Lord is one spirit. And that spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost is yod heh vav Do you understand? Say praise the Lord. Okay. Now, how many of y'all are frightened to commit the unpardonable sin of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost? Well, I would be. I am. I don't want to commit the unpardonable sin of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. So I need to find out what blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is. Right? So let's go to Matthew 12. Let's look at a few verses here. You remember what Jesus told those religious people around him in his day? Matthew 12, 32. Let's look at it. <coughs> remember, they accused him of casting out demons by the power of Satan. All right? In this chapter, religious people. I said religious people. You always going to have problems with religious people. Always. So after they accuse him of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, look at verse 31. Wherefore I say unto you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Now remember, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, who that is. It's God. yod heh vav of the Old Testament. Spirit of Jesus. Jesus is God. You remember we already read that in Matthew 3. Verse 32. Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. The context of that passage is this. is saying that Jesus, the Spirit that was in Jesus, producing these miracles was something other than God. If you say, Lord help us to never get into this place. If you ever say that the spirit that was in Jesus. If you ever put yourself in a position of saying that it was anything less than God. You are committing blasphemy. They were saying that the spirit that was moving in Jesus was satanic. So they were denying that the Spirit of God was in him. And so Jesus said, that's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. To ever say anything less than Jesus, the Spirit of God is in Jesus, is blasphemy. Do you understand that? I think you need to understand that. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. They're saying he does what he does 
through the power of another spirit, through the power of Beelzebub. No, he said by the finger of God, those spirits were cast out. So he says the spirit that is in him is the spirit of God. By the spirit of God, by the finger of God, he cast out those demons. So when they're saying that there's anything less than God in Jesus, they are committing an unpardonable sin of blasphemy. And you won't be forgiven in this life or in the life to come. If you say that anything less than God was in Jesus. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, man. Let's go to Isaiah 40 again. Back up in Isaiah. That great prophet. I love the prophet Isaiah. Now, I, I, yeah, I would agree that there's probably more than one way to commit blasphemy, but that is the, the context of the passage. It's saying that there's another spirit operating in Jesus beside God. Okay, Isaiah 40, 13. Man, I feel like, I mean, are y'all my friends? <laughs> Y'all my brothers and sisters? <laughs> you my friends? Am I in the house of my friends? I know what happened to Jesus in the house of his friends. What kind of friends are you? <laughs> yeah. Isaiah 40, 13. Listen. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? Who hath directed the spirit of Yahweh? Who has directed? I don't even like to use the word Yahweh because that, that may not be the right way to pronounce yod heh vav So let me put it this way. Who has directed the spirit of yod heh vav Who? The question is asked. Or being his counselor hath taught him. With whom took he counsel? Got 10 minutes to go. With whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the paths of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Who's the passage talking about? The Spirit of the Lord. And the question is, who has directed his spirit? Who's been his counselor? Who's taught him? Who did he go to for counsel? Who did he go to talk to when he needed? He didn't need counseling, man. He is the counselor. Now, let's look at a very interesting passage in the New Testament. This is in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2.16. First Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.16. You remember what the prophecy said about the Spirit of the Lord, right? Who gave him knowledge? Who instructed him? Who did he go to for counsel? <laughs> First Corinthians. Two sixteen. Watch this. Y'all with me? Now, let's let me get back up here and get the context of this passage. All right, you with me here? 
Let's look at verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What I'm trying to show you, this passage is talking about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when he came into this world, his mind was the spirit of Yahweh. Because the same, the same prophetic word in Isaiah is attributed to him. There it says the spirit of the Lord. Here in this passage it says the mind of the Lord. So the mind of Jesus was the spirit of the Lord. Do you understand? The mind of Jesus was the spirit of the Lord. I mean, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And in Isaiah, it says, let me go back there, Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, 13. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? You with me? Or being his counselor, have taught him. With whom took he counsel? Who instructed him? Who? The Lord, the Spirit of the Lord. So in verse 16, 1 Corinthians 2, 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? So the mind of the Lord is the spirit of Yahweh. But we have the mind of Christ. Because we've got the Holy Ghost in us. We've got the spirit of the Lord in us. So we have the mind of Christ. Somebody say praise the Lord. All right. And so the Lord is that spirit. Now let's go and look at Psalm 16. Whether... God is called Adonai, which means master, ruler, or he's called yod heh vav -Hey. It's the same God. Psalm 16.2, watch what the psalmist says. Some people say, well, I know he's the Lord, he's the master, and he's the ruler. Okay, but I'm not sure that he's God. The one God, the Holy One of Israel. All right. Psalm 16. Let's go there. I got five minutes to wrap this up. Psalm 16. Watch what the psalmist says. Let's do, let's do verse 2. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, all capitalized. Thou art my Lord, one capital L, small o, small r, small d. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My soul, thou hast said unto yod heh vav -Hey, thou art my Adonai. 
So, yod hey vav hey, the Lord is Adonai. And Adonai is the Lord. They're not two lords. You understand that, right? There you go. Say, the Lord is Adonai. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Let's go there. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear what the Bible says. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show you something. Is there one Lord on the earth calling down, uh, praying to the one Lord in heaven to rain down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah? There are two persons of Yahweh, two Yahwehs. You understand? I'm trying to prove you, show you the word of God. It's not, not a reality. I really want to show you the truth. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, yod heh vav our God. The Lord our God is one Lord. There's not two spirits of Yahweh. There's not two Yahwehs. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Say with me, one Lord. All right, if you believe in multiple persons, then you would look at that one, and you would try to interpret that one, echad, the Hebrew word echad, and you would say that word one means unity. Unity of persons. Well, echad can be interpreted as unity, but you have to look at the context to determine if it's numerical oneness, absolute numerical oneness, or unity. When you look at the passage in Deuteronomy... The passage is showing you his numerical oneness up against false gods. You understand? The context will determine, determine it. He is numerically one Lord. Amen. Numerically one Lord. To say that this one Lord here means a unity... Trying to prove that you've got three persons, they're all in unison working together. Three separate persons working together. Is not the context of the passage. Number one, there is no three separate persons trying to work together anyway, biblically. You understand? But that's what they try to prove by saying that word means unity. Here's the point. If you can take the word echad, one, and say it just means unity, then you could have three, four, five, six, seven, eight false gods together in unity and call them one. God is trying to show you strict monotheism. That He is the only God. There is only one Lord, God. All these other so-called gods are false gods. They are no gods at all. They're nothing more than demons. So the context shows you that He is one numerically, Lord. Okay. Say praise God. Okay, Isaiah 44, 6. Let's go there. Isaiah 44, 6. Are y'all with me still? <clears throat> Thus 
Thus saith the Lord, all capitalized, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord. <laughs> Thanks, brother. You see that? See, the same nonsense that is applied to Genesis 19.24, that same nonsense would be applied to this verse. Saying that you got two persons of the Lord here. No, there's only one Lord. One Lord. Thus saith the Lord. He's the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Same Lord. It's not a separate Lord. You don't have one Lord who's the King of Israel and one Lord who's the Redeemer. Two Lords. You've got one Lord in different modes, different manifestations, different roles of, re- of, of activity. So that the one God, the one Lord that rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah, if he is actively involved on the earth, at the same time actively involved in the heaven, it's still the one Lord of the Bible that is doing that, but he is simply operating in different roles or modes or activity. But it's still the one Lord in the one place who's doing the raining down of the fire. Do you understand? We don't have one Lord who's a king and then one Lord who's a redeemer. So one Lord. Here always the Lord our God is one Lord. Who's the king? Jesus. Who's the redeemer? Jesus. Well, why? Because he is the Lord. Come on. You with me here? Woo. Thank you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer. That, see, they say, oh, and His Redeemer. It must be two. The Lord of hosts. No, He goes on and says, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And that Lord is King, and that Lord is Redeemer. He's the first and the last, and beside him there is no God. Three persons in the Godhead is a fiction. Because whatever whatever mode of activity he moves in, he's still Jesus. You understand that? So that Jesus was prophesied, the Messiah was prophesied. The coming of Messiah was prophesied. The coming of the Son was prophesied. But He is Jesus. He's God in the Old Testament. He's the Lord of the Old Testament who would come in human form called the Christos or the Messiah. It would be the Messiah that would manifest God because the Messiah is the office of God that He chose to manifest Himself in. So Christ speaks of the Spirit it also speaks of the humanity. Do you understand? It's not difficult. It's okay, Psalm 118. When you say Jesus, what are you saying? You say Jesus, you're saying he's God. When you say Jesus, you're saying he's the Son. When you say Jesus, you're saying he's the Holy Ghost. But when you say Jesus Christ, you're talking about when Jesus, the Father, Jesus the Son, Jesus the Holy Ghost, becomes his God in visible form. That's Christ. How much time I got? 
I'm out. <laughs> Psalm 118. Y'all need to pray for me, man. I tell you what. Psalm 118.25, listen. It says this. Now, y'all, you will remember, y'all. You can tell I'm texting, y'all. Y'all will remember. You will remember when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And they were crying, Hosanna in the highest. Remember? Here's the prophecy. Psalm 1825. Save now or Hosanna. I beseech thee, O Yahweh, O Lord, O Yodhe, Vavhe. When they started screaming, uh, screaming, save us, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If they were good Jew, they know this verse. And they would have known that that is the one Lord, that is the one God of the Old Testament coming in visible form upon this earth. Jesus the Christ. Prophesied by the prophets. Okay. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord. Just because you got, O Lord, O Lord, they're going to make you have two lords again? Well, that's the nonsense of multiple persons. Every time you see that plurality of statement or term or, per, or, or activity, is jump to conclusion. There's two persons right there, or three persons right there. This, all right, yes. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, sin now, prosperity. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of yod heh vav hey the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. Which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords even upon under the horns of the altar. There's Calvary. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So we have his triumphal entry as God, and we have his crucifixion seen in this passage. Luke 19. I'm just going to go on. I, brother. You take me right up to the last moment, okay? I need every second. Luke 19, 44. Luke 19, 44. <coughs> now, y'all turn there, would you? All right. Now, I'm fixing to do something, okay? I'm fixing to pull out this little amplified Bible, and I taught y'all Sunday morning how to use all of these tools to... To interpret the word of the Lord. By the way, if you're a teacher and you're not in the class, it's mandatory that you get that series. Mandatory or you're fired. <laughs> Listen to the Amplified Version. Now, you read along in your King James Version or New American Standard or whatever Bible you got. Read along in there. And I'm going to read the Amplified. 
And they shall dash you down to the ground, you, Jerusalem, your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. 1944. Because you did not come progressively to recognize and know and understand from observation and experience the time of your visitation. That is when God was visiting you. It doesn't just say visitation. It says when God visited you. That is when God was visiting you. The time in which God showed himself gracious towards you. And offered you salvation through Christ or the Christos. God visited them. All you you fired up people tonight. You're just, you're just almost uncontrollable. Just almost, but just, you have to get the ushers here. You're running, away, running away with it, man. Thomas, when Jesus rose from the dead, your King James Version says, My Lord and my God. My who? My Lord and my God. King James Version. With me? John 20. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to give you. This is that interlinear. I'm going to pull out the interlinear on you. Since you know how to use this. I showed it to you Sunday morning. You ought to know what's going on. So I'm going to pull out this Greek interlinear. And right underneath it, I'm going to give you the exact interpretation of the Greek. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Watch what, listen. John 20, 28. Answered Thomas and said to him, the Lord of me and the God of me. See, that's good enough to see, to read it in King James, my Lord and my God. But when you read it directly out of the translation, directly from the Greek, he says, the Lord of me and the God of me. Calling Jesus that. The Lord of me and the God of me. Somebody say, praise the Lord. One other passage of scripture, John 1 and 1. Your King James Version, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, or pertained to God. Doesn't mean He's a separate person. The Word pertained to God, with God, within God. Now watch, and the Word was God. And listen to the way the literal says it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. It don't get no more plainer than that. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's go to Isaiah 6 and 8. I got to close it out with this one. Isaiah 6 and 8. Isaiah 6, 8. And then I'll let all you wild people go home. <laughs> you've, been, you've been too wild. I'll tell you. Isaiah 6 and 8. Now remember what we talked about. 
also, Isaiah said, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. So God is saying, who will go for us? Plural word, us. Well, who needs somebody to go to them? Israel needs a prophet. Israel needs a prophet to go to them. The congregation needs a prophet. Anything, I guarantee you one thing. It's not two persons, not three people sitting on a throne, three thrones up there in a council together because the Lord doesn't get instruction from anybody. He don't get counsel from anybody. He don't go to anybody. Even if there is a second person to God here, God doesn't ask the second person what the first person should do. So I guarantee you that's not what that's about. Not a multiplicity of persons here. But Israel needs, the congregation needs a prophet. Who will go for us? You with me? So it can, the word can speak of the church, the congregation. It could be in this particular passage, us could be angels. I doubt it. It could be prophetic. Who will go for us? The Lord speaking. Remember, when you read prophetic utterances, you're going to read statements and prophecies in the Old Testament, and you're going to think Jesus is right there, especially in the prophet Isaiah. But it's a prophet, prophetic utterance of his future coming. The prophetic utterance of the future coming of the Son of God. It's not that he preexisted as the Son with the Father. He is God and God alone. He is that one spirit. He is the Lord that was prophesied that would come as the Christos. Are you with me? Let us be speaking of it prophetically. A prophetic utterance. He, well, are y'all with me here? Next week we'll get into the New Testament plurals and explain that more to you. Okay? Prophetic utterance, congregation, attributes, could be the congregation, it could be his different roles, different attributes that he's making reference to. He's not getting instruction from anybody. Do you understand? He could be revealing his plan to angels, possibly. Could be a prophetic utterance to when he would come as the Son when he would come as a man, when he would come as the Christ. You understand? Say praise the Lord. It also could, meet, could be the word, his plan, his thought. Let us. Thought, blueprint, plan of God. The word was with God, a God in activity. You with me here? His plan. So let, all right. So anyway, I know one thing. It's not plural persons. It, in Isaiah 6 also, and we're going to have time to look at it, but they cry, holy, holy, holy. The seraphim cry, holy, holy, holy. Does that mean there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost? Is that why they're saying holy, holy, holy? Because there's three separate persons? <laughs> Jeremiah 22, let's look at this. Jeremiah 22. I don't know. I've been up here battling, but I got the victory. How about you? I mean, 
You've been sitting there all pretty. I'll go home blessed. You go home. <laughs> Jeremiah 22, watch this. Woo, hallelujah, man. I got to hurry. Where's Jeremiah? Anybody know? Is that in the Old, that's the Old Testament, right? <laughs> Thank you. Jeremiah 22, 29. Right next to Isaiah, yeah. Okay, ready for this, 22, 29? Oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. That means there's three earths? No, you have a plurality because of emphasis. Earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Emphasize. Holy, holy, holy emphasis on the holiness of God. Not three earths, not three gods. The Holy One of Israel. Okay. Uh, Zechariah, real quick. Zechariah 